getting ready for the world's greatest Arsenal podcast. Welcome to another podcast by Guns and Yellow Ribbons. Enjoy the show. Hello, welcome to another episode of Guns and Yellow Ribbons. My name is Fergus, I am your host. I'm joined, as usual, by my three friends, Gunnar Hilsey, Kapodan, and Danish Gunnar Alex. Uh, we're going to look back uh, over the fantastic uh, victory over Palace and our onward push to try and win the Premier League title for the first time in 19 years. And we will look back over the disappointment of going out of Europe and what it meant, what it meant for various people. Um, it was a long night for a lot of us. Uh, but before we do that, there has been some you know, murmurings and, and noise coming out of um, North London. I've seen, I'm not too far from from uh, that part of North London here. And I've seen helicopters going in and out. And I, I took this footage. Oh, I don't want to. Oh. 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 He's a cobweb! He's a cobweb! Oh, it's a cobweb! I don't like! Oh. Apart from the cobweb, is completely empty. <laughs> oh, guys, I couldn't help myself. I couldn't leave it. I couldn't leave it there that long and not not play it. We just, just, just. Um, I just couldn't do it. Trev, how are you, mate? I'm, I'm really buzzing. Seeing as we've, um, since it's been a week where we've we've gone out of Europe, um. To a, ver- to, to a better side than people gave them credit for, in fairness, as they showed. I'm feeling, I'm still over the moon, mate, because we came back, didn't we, against Palace? And we're going to talk about it at length, I know. And if you're not smiling after that performance at Palace, you ain't never going to smile, are you? So I'm feeling great, Ferg. I'm feeling absolutely fi- fabulous, mate. Alex, you okay, mate? I'm very good. Like, as Trev said, it's always nice going into a break um, on top of the league and on on the back of a performance like that against uh, Palace, so yeah, I'm buzzing. Uh, and Dan, how are we? I seem to spend almost more time with you than I do with um, any other members of my family. How are you I doing? Wish, mate? I wish you'd stop stalking me, to be honest. But yeah, <laughs> um, look, why am I on the left tonight, mate? I don't know. Uh, maybe you change you, um, political opinions. Have you guys had a falling out, or what's going on here? No, no. Here he goes. Listen, you can look look back on that chat. I said it would have been difficult. They are going to give me a hard time today. I just know I it. Listen, Danny's on the right. Danny's on the. So you, I thought it was because I was bloody old and I was getting it wrong. But that's better. <laughs> <laughs> that does look right. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Right, okay, here we go. So um, we're going to look at the Arsenal-Lisbon game, first of all. We're not going to spend a huge amount of time on it, but we do have to talk about it because it's a European competition that we are out of. It was a long night. It was a hard night. Uh, the weather was particularly uh, dreadful towards the end. And uh, the the ongoing works around the Emirates Stadium uh, clearly um, haven't reached the um, the East Stand yet. <laughs> see the rain just pouring down and, and the people down below it was a huge big um big area that was cleared out um but that's that's besides the thing that that was probably how we felt towards the end um of that game dan before the game we had um well i didn't have any beers there was a, a good atmosphere on the concourse there was a different crowd uh, because it was europa league there was a um uh, there was a train strike so a lot of tickets were were sold on to other people who could get in there um 
And what did you make of the the, 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 the pre-match amble that we normally have on Block 5, Block 6? Which game is this? The Lisbon game. Don't be an arse. What, what game? Don't, don't know what you're on about, mate. Uh, it's terrible. Right, so Dan has decided <laughs> to leave the show. <laughs> He's the one oh, getting sacked. Oh, Lord. <laughs> so... So listen, what happened? And and Tim said further up in the chat, if we have a look up there, that there was um, some uh, an awful lot more carnage uh, going on um, in in the in the in the block five, block six area. Uh, the what song was going with it? With the beers going up in the air. Dan, which game is this, mate? Oh, he's gone for good. I'll stop. Who cares about sporting in the Europa League? No one. I'm not. I'm talking about the atmosphere. Come on. I won't ask you any opinions about anything else. All right then. Um, That was the LA song, the one that you started. You started everyone by throwing the beer up in the air, and it's caught on now. Uh, I didn't. I didn't have any beer, if you remember. Not on that game. Previous games. Not on that game. No. Um, And but it was it was quite a lively atmosphere, and we saw the lineups. And when when you saw the lineup, um, I'll go to you, Alex, because I'm probably getting a bit more common sense and less um, aggro as well. (laughs) Five five changes in the lineup. Uh, We had Jesus starting Saliba. Uh, Ramsdale started over Turner after the conversation we had last week. Uh, Tommy Asu and Gabby um, uh, Gabriel number six started. Pleased with the lineup? Did you think like you know we could do it with that lineup? Yeah, for sure. I thought we could do it. I thought it was a strong lineup. Um, it was yeah, it was only Saka and Partey getting getting rested, so almost our, our strongest lineup. Um, and yeah, I was quite confident we were gonna uh, seal seal the the victory against them. But we have struggled uh, in in knockout games at Emirates. It's the fifth fifth game in a row uh, that we haven't won in a European knockout game now at the Emirates. So. Um, not very good. So, but yeah, but the, I was pleased with the lineup, though. And good to uh, see Trev, Gabriel Jesus starting as well. Trev, looking at that lineup, were you were you, um, were you pleased with the lineup? Did you think you know after the two two in Porto, which, as we said last week, was a really good game and a good game for the neutral to watch? We should have done better in Porto. Did you think that we could have taken that back and with that lineup, uh, taken a game to uh, Sporting? Yeah, Ferg, I said last week, mate, I said last week that Sporting were a better side than we um, gave them credit for. But I also said I thought we'd beat them. Um, so I think I, was, I wasn't I was unhappy with the side. I was surprised Ramsdale played because I think Turner would have saved it. But um, apart from that, um, yeah, it was, it was a side. He put a side out to win the game and he brought substitutes on to win a game. And... He was determined to try and win it, and it wasn't to be on the night. I, I don't know what we can really say about it, Ferg, apart from what I just said. Sporting are a better side than we gave him credit for. I, I, it didn't come off for us. We lost to a, a skillful bit of bit of work for their goal, but nevertheless, you need a lot of luck involved with it, and they got that rubber to green, although it was, it was, it was a good skill to shoot from that far. So I don't know how can we, we can expand. It's hard to expand when we lose in Europe, Fergus, because it hurts. It hurts. I'll go to every European away game and it really, really hurts. Um, all I can think of is that what happened after in the days following and when we're going to build up to the next fixture, I know, made me smile again. It made me hmm. smile for many, many reasons. And 
as Dan just put in in another way, I'm looking forward to moving on and talking about the Palace game, mate. I, I just I don't want to ruin that. You know, and and we will. But to to add to context of that, myself and Dan were in the North Bank with some friends, um, and uh, I even said to Dan about um, sporting are a much bigger test. They're a Champions Champions League side that have dropped out of the Champions League into Europa League, so the world was going to be a bigger test. And Dan, I, I also said to you, like we we look at the Shaka got the. Um, the opener uh, goal on 19 minutes. But before that, we had a couple of injuries. So by the 21st, or in and around that, by the 21st minute, we had lost um, Saliba and Tommy Asu. Tommy Asu's out till the end of the season. Um, you know, what, what was your thoughts on the opposition and uh, the first half performance? And uh, yeah, just look at Shaka's goal. We'll try and rush through this game because the Palace game, as we said, is a more important game to talk about. Yeah. No, I... I... I think, it, to be honest, it showed it showed the depth of our squad. And um, we did make a couple of changes, and I think quite rightly so. Um, the main focus is definitely the league. But when we make a couple of changes like that, it comes down to fine margins. And it just came down to, for me, not getting the second goal. I think if we'd have got the second goal, as we probably should have done, I think we'd have, we'd have won it comfortably. And, and, you know, second half they came out and did well. But first half, I think... We were okay. It, it wasn't the best performance I've seen of our team, but for a team that had a few changes, a couple of interruptions for injuries, I thought we, we did okay. It was just, yeah, they came out second half, I think, a lot fired, more fired up than we did. Mm. And Alex, into the second half, Sporting seemed to turn up the, the gas a little bit more and came at us a bit more. Yeah. Uh, we had made we had taken Jesus off at half-time uh, for Trossard. And I think myself and Dan even said we didn't... Well, I think it was your comment, Dan, that... Um, we didn't feel that Jesus would have probably come off then if he didn't have to make the substitutions that he had in the first half. He had to make two substitutions. I think you're bringing right. On, yeah, yeah bringing, bringing on um, Ben White and Holding. Um, what did you make of how Sporting built into the game? And then we'll go into the goal itself. Yeah, they certainly built on, on uh, in the second half and became more dangerous, especially on the counter-attacks with, uh, with Marcus Edwards. He, he had a couple of big chances and... And then, of course, they eventually scored from not really a chance, was it? It was just a, a crazy goal that don't really happen too often, scoring from the halfway line. But it's just frustrating. I think that's the thing that annoys me the most. Like, we should be able to win quite comfortably. And we know we we can win if we play like we did against Palace, for example. So it's just frustrating to see, like, um, us playing in, in Europa and it's kind of been like this for most of the season. I mean, we've done all, all right in, in Europa, but we haven't really played up to the standards that we know we can play. So I don't know if it's just the, the lack of focus, which is all on Premier League, as we know right now, um, or what's what's going through the players' head, because they just don't seem to get get the, 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 the mentality right for the, the Europa League games. Um, because, yeah, it's just so different, um, the, the Europa League and the Premier League games. Trev, why, why, why do you think that is? Why, why do you think that Alex, Alex observation there, that we seem to drop in performance in the Europa League? I nearly did it, but I remembered. Um, <laughs> it's, we have been prone to a below-par performance in Europe for as long as I can remember, Fergus. You know, it just happens. This time, I think, honestly think that looking for reasons why, and you are clutching at straws when you look for reasons why we, we drop our standards so much. Um, 
I'm 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 going down the line of we're still a young team. We're we're still all learning the game, and I want to talk about this a bit later, if you don't mind, Fergus, when we open the debate up. And and there's going to be certain teams we come up against that are going to play in a way that we're not quite ready to play against. You know, um, Everton, Everton in the first game at Everton played a, a sort of game of football that we just didn't quite know how to beat. Um, Port, uh, sports in Lisbon were very much like that in both the games. Both the games. I thought in the first game in Sporting, we started very brightly, but Sporting got the knack of us and, 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 and came into the game as we saw. At Arsenal, who knows what it is, boys? Who knows what it is while we drop off, just drop off a little bit in the Europa League? It's frustrating. It's, it's really frustrating because although I said... Sporting are a good side. There's no doubt they're a good side. They've just beaten the Arsenal. Um, they shouldn't really be beating. On our day, if we put in a Palace performance against Lisbon, Lisbon don't live with us. Lisbon don't get yeah. any near us, you know? And so mm. why that happens, who knows, boys? Who knows? Dan, do you think maybe that, that attitude was led to Jorginho and Granite Xhaka maybe overplaying it a little bit in the midfield, which led to uh, Gongalves getting that worldy. I think he was six yards from the halfway line when he put that ball over. Ramsdale's quite far up the pitch, which he always is uh, in those situations as the team push up. And the ball, from where we saw it, just went and took a really quick dip, like it was going into Hong Kong International Airport or something like that. And in behind Ramsdale, nothing he could, could have done. But could that have come from this attitude and this overplaying? No, I don't think so. Look, no one, no one wants to give the ball away in the mid in midfield there in that area. But I think he could hit that sort of nine out of ten times, and it go nowhere near that. I think it was just a great strike. He connected very well, and it and it looped over the keeper. Um, one thing we did say in the ground is just imagine if that was turned on the criticism he would have got. I think he would have got an awful lot of criticism. Um, disagree, disagree, my son. Not nine times out of ten, Sorry, let me tell I'm you. I'm just taking one hundred ninety-nine times out of a thousand, mate. That that oh, yeah. goal go in. Yeah, I, I think I think you're spot on. It's just it was it. Everything went right for them in the timing of of the strike and his technique, and just yeah, it was it was the perfect strike that they needed at that time. And we look, we were unlucky. Second half, I think performance wasn't there, but even the criticism of our performance. Second um, half of extra time and even parts of the first half of extra time, you know, we hit the post, we had big chances. We we quite easily could have won that game on any other day. And then it goes down to a lottery of penalties. But I think if we're looking at reasons why, I think it just is the message that it sends out. When you make a couple of changes to the team, it says to the team first, it's not our priority. The crowd know that. And you can see by the crowd that turns up for those sort of games, very, very different from the Premier League. And the atmosphere that they generate in the ground is very different. And even the response to when the players are trying to get the crowd going a few, quite a few times, not the same as a league game. And I think the, the players feel that. Um, I think the, you know, the atmosphere of the stadium makes a big difference too. Alex, over and over in the chat, mentions about Odegaard and Saka and um, uh, Party, And in particular for me, Odegaard being missing from that midfield area. I didn't think Vieira uh, in that game um, ste stepped up. Oh, Alexa, stop. <laughs> Bloody thing. Um, I didn't think Vieira um, lived up to uh, Odegaard's sort of um, heights and reputation. And we really did miss him. And you did notice that when... when Arteta brought on the more bigger guns. He, he brought on Party uh, and um, 
Saka for Nelson and Vieira. And then later, after the 1-1, like there was almost a moment just before that that Edwards could have scored and Ramsdale got hit in the face and we thought he could have been out as yeah. well. And yeah. then we would have had Turner. Turner was warming up and we're all really worried. Um, but, you know, all those big guns came on into the extra time and it does make a big difference when Odegaard's not playing. Yeah, it does. Like, they are three of our most key players this season, uh, Partey, Odegaard and Saka. So, of course, it makes a difference. And as you said, like, Vieira didn't have the best of his games um, against Sporting. So, yeah, and you, you could see straight away uh, Odegaard when he came on in, in extra time, uh, how much of a difference it made. I know they were tired as well, Sporting players, which you could see, but... He just really ups our level when he when he comes on the pitch and he brought some some energy and he really want tried to lift the crowd as well and the atmosphere. Um so yeah, he did everything he could, Odegaard, to to try and win it for us. And bringing on Odegaard, uh, Trev, is that like kitchen sink? We we were very much more dominant in the in in the second half. I I think he was it was shit or bust, as the phrase goes. Um but also I think we that we did turn the screw quite hard on sporting because sporting became very unsporting, especially in that second period of extra time. Uh, uh, What's his name? Um, Ugarde or Ugarti or whatever. I don't know. He's, um, he got a second yellow. And to be honest, it could have been a straight red from the, the double tackle. He went in dub, uh, two-footed on two Arsenal players. What did you what did you make of their, their unsporting behaviour? Well, you've got to look at the bigger picture a little bit, right, Fergus, in that he still he saved his his stars on the bench did did um Mikel because he's obviously as we all are thinking can we win the league can we win the league so he's trying to give him as much rest as he can when he's realizing he's not gonna he's he's struggling he brings them all on right and then so sporting Lisbon are gonna look at that and think how can we stay in this game? They've never bought on all their best players. How can we stay in this game and get it to penalties? Penalties is probably going to be our only chance of getting through now. How can we do it? Well, I know. We'll start kicking them off the park. We'll start kicking them off the park and then they'll get worried and then they might pull out of the odd tackle and then we might survive till the end of the game and, and nick it on penalties, which is exactly what happened, Fergus, in my view. Mm. You know, Exactly what happened in my view. They, they did... They did probably what any English team would do playing the second leg away in Europe somewhere. You know, when it comes towards the end of the game, it's it's the battle of the artists, not the battle of the fit. It's the battle of the artists and, and who's prepared to fight. And the Portuguese, I didn't enjoy watching it. I don't condone it, but it got them through, didn't it? It did. Um, we went to a penalty shootout, the very first penalty shootout in the Emirates Stadium in the history since 2006. So what's that's nearly... Uh, 14 years that we've been there and it's only the second ever penalty shootout that Arsenal have had at home the last one being in 2003 in the Carling Cup against Rotherham um, and Arsenal went through with um, Sylvain Wiltord scoring uh, on that one unfortunately on this occasion our, our captain uh, Odegaard the great penalty um, as did Saka uh, who scored uh, well um, then uh, Inacho uh, steps up for Sporting um, Ramsdale gets his hand to that one, and he also gets his hand to Gomez's um, uh, goals. But Dan, we we chatted on Sunday briefly. You felt maybe he could have got a little bit more behind them. Did, did you think? I, I'm not. This isn't criticizing, but I've just been a bit picky. Yeah, I mean, to be to be honest with you, I think um, penalty shootouts are, are luck. An awful lot of it is luck, but also keepers. 
can specialise in, in penalties. And there's a few keepers in the Premier League that are very, very good at saving pens. And I don't think that's one of Ramsdale's top assets. Um, and I think it's probably one of the areas that he could potentially work on. I, I think he should have done better on a couple of them. Um, I think there's one or two he probably should have saved. Yeah, I, I, it is what it is. I think no, no one wants to lose a game, but I think if, you, if you're going to go out to go out on penalties, it's probably not the worst way. Um as long as you bounce yeah. back from it, I feel like we did. Trev, Trev uh, Martinelli um, steps up, uh, takes a penalty. Unfortunately, um, he shoots, he misses. And then Santos blasts one past um, past Ramsdale. And Ramsdale didn't stand a chance in that one. And we're out We're out of the uh, cup. 1-1, um, uh, a full-time 5-3 on penalties. Uh, to be honest, I said to Dan at the time, I felt sick to my stomach. I just left, went, I was quiet, clapped the team off. Um, it was late, and I felt quite flat the next day. But by Saturday, as as we've all had said, we're starting to get over it and getting back into into the groove for Palace. Um, what did you? What's your final words on 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 that game and Martinelli in particular missing the penalty? As soon as Martinelli missed that penalty, I was gutted because he missed it. But more forefront in my mind was, what does a young lad who's missed such an important penalty do now how does he react what 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 does he do the following week so th- we can i we're going to talk about the palace game in a minute and martinelli was the superstar for me in the palace game because he came back from a massive disappointment the turning point of the game was obviously the the lisbon goal um and it was a great bit of skill right it was a great bit of foresight but you do need a massive amount of luck to score. I matter how skillful you are. It went two inches. As Dan Dan pointed out earlier, in a way, it went two inches under the bar, and it went two inches over Ramsdale. You know, that's just that's just damn bloody unlucky. You know, it was a yeah. great effort from their man. I'm not taking it away, but it was unlucky. We just got knocked out to to someone that had a bit of foresight and took a punt from a long distance. Trev, is it a blessing in disguise? Is it a tournament too much with the squad that we've mentioned before that we've got? Fergus, I'm selfish. You know I'm selfish, mate. You know how much I value a trip to Europe to watch my great football team play. Um, so it's it's really hard. I, I struggle with it because I'm not the youngest man and I ain't got many more years of travelling abroad. But I'm not going to linger on that. It, it was very hard to take, but if you do look at it with, with some common sense and you look at who got injured in the Lisbon game, then you're thinking maybe it's good that we're only in one competition now because we've lost Tommy Yasu. Um, we're not sure about Saliba, although unlike a lot of other people, I think that holding maybe not as good as Saliba, but he's a more than most teams in the Premier League would like to be able to call on a holding when needed. Um, so I'm hoping Holding's going to do all right. Interestingly enough, we lost our right back for the rest of the season, or one of our right backs, Tommy Asi, for the rest of the season. And just to close it off, when we played Palace, Arteta took White off and brought Jorginho he's, on. He's jumping miles ahead, isn't he, Dan? You he's are jumping about. He's jumping miles ahead. You clearly haven't read anything we've written down today. I have. No, I'm, I'm comparing it. You want me to finish off on the Palace game? Yeah. And it's no, no, on the, the Porto game. Yeah. I mean, the the, the, the Sporting Lisbon game. 
It's, yeah. and it's important that if you lose a right back and you've only got one proper right back for the rest of the season, then you look at what the manager does to try and think about what he would do if he lost his second right back. And and he's he's done that against Palace. He's 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 experimented a bit, I think. And I'll leave it at that because I think we could talk that long about the Sporting Lisbon game, but we no well. Well, so, so, somebody stuck on five minutes of like jumping around and messing about to make it worse. Uh, listen, I'm off to Budapest exactly. regardless. I, I, I'm just hoping that uh, we don't have um, don't have any Manchester United fans from Surrey celebrating in in Budapest Central Square or whatever. Uh, Sunday was Mother's Day. It was also my eldest, my son's uh, birthday. I met with Dan and uh, my son Mike for a few beers. We went to the Shea. Uh, that was quite good. Um, and then we made our way into the North Bank. Uh, red action um, where had a big, lovely, big London's red flag gone across there. And uh, the Ashburton Army had uh, their uh, their march from the Sobel Centre. Uh, and I've seen some footage of it and it's really, really good. I haven't got any that I'm going to play here today, but it was really, really good. Vieira had been sacked. Vieira! Vieira! Alice. A little bit of this. So uh, Vieira, Vieira being sacked. Um, yeah, the, the Arsenal f- uh, fans did sing out a few times, Dan, didn't they? They sang out the Vieira song just to wind up uh, Palace fans that little bit more. The only song that should ever be sung to that tune with the name Vieira in it. But yeah, it's uh, good to hear and good to support your your ex players. And I, to be fair, I don't want to touch too much on Palace themselves, but I'm very surprised he got sacked. I know he's it's not been sort of the best form for them, and they've not been uh, scoring enough goals lately. But I feel like Vieira is a, a coach that will do very well in the future. So hopefully he bounces back and he uh, gets a new job very quickly. Um, the I think that the Homestale Front or, the, or whatever they're called, the equivalent of the Ashburton Army, uh, they brought a lot of pyros into and 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 stuff into the stadium, created off a lot of smoke and everything else. It's a, it's a little bit annoying that we get patted down all the time going into these uh, games and we get threatened that we're going to be kicked out. I know some people who uh, let flares off on the Hornsey Road and they've had stadium bands, this, that and the other. Yet again, they let these away fans in with um, these pyros. I know the Copenhagen Ultras, uh, I, I sent uh, some pictures to you, Alex, of the Copenhagen Ultras. I didn't know if you were the guy in the third mask or the fourth mask. Um, but uh, yeah, what is the law over there with, with, with that sort of stuff? Well, the same. You can't you can't bring it in, but people find a way to do it anyways. And then they wear masks, so it's difficult to identify the people doing it. So that's the that's the trouble with it. Okay, okay. Uh, looking at the lineup for this game, there was uh, several changes again. Jesus was on the bench for Trossard. Um, <clears throat> Trev, if you were given the choice to pick your starting eleven, and looking at this starting eleven of Ramsdale, White, Holding, Gabriel, Zinchenko, Party, Shaka, Odegaard, Saka, Martelli, and Trossard. Maybe you'd put Saliba in, in instead of holding, who did have a fantastic game. But Trossard or Jesus, who's 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 the best in your starting eleven for you? Trev, you're on mute. I am mute. Um, Gary asked that question, mate, and I have to say that just taking it in the moment, 
not allowing for injuries to people like Jesus and the coming back and the fitness. Just at the moment, I think that Trossard works better than with Martinelli than Jesus does on what I've seen. I think the interchange between Trossard and Martelli switching left to centre, centre to left, is has been a massive part of our winning the last six games. I'm really impressed with the pair of them, the way they've formed a very quick understanding of each other, mate. Dan, we took we talked about this. Who would your choice be? Would you have Trossard starting, or would you have Jesus starting? You 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 think Jesus Jesus will play in a different position, don't you? I think if they're both fully fit, I still think Jesus over Trossard. But yeah, I've, I've said long term, I still think Jesus will be a player that moves across the line and plays multiple positions because I I think long term we will get another centre forward. Um, but look, it's good to have options, so certainly can't complain and. Trossard has done a fantastic job, um, especially in times when obviously Eddie's injured as well. So not only are our two strikers out, we've had to sort of try and play around and, and find a new solution. But Trossard's come in, just done a fantastic job on and off the ball. Um, Alex, 27 minutes in, uh, there's an early chance, early-ish chance for Zaha. Uh, and if they scored, it could have been a very different goal. Uh, it hit the, um, hit the post and went out for a corner off the back of Ramsdale. Now, the debate was, did Ramsdale get a hand to that enough to say it was a save or not? I don't really know what the debate debate is about because I just saw it was a good good save from Ramsdale. And then, of course, he, he had a bit of luck uh, as it came off the post and hit his, I think it was one of his uh, feet, right or left foot. Um, yeah, I'm not sure what the debate is about. I thought it was a pretty good save. It was a difficult shot from Saha at the near post. Um and yeah, he did what he could to push it onto the... I think he got a, a slight touch to it, um, in my opinion. Um, and yeah, Trev, and then... Trev, Trev, your opinion? Your opinion on that? Did he get a hand to it? Ramsdale got a hand to it. it. Millions of people saw it. I was watching on the telly. Ramsdale got a hand to it. He hit a post. That's a save. That's a save. It's, it, there's no other question about it. <laughs> Goalkeeper touches the ball, it is the post, it's a save. Yeah, I agree, yeah, I agree. And then it comes back off the post, and if it had gone in the net, off the back of him, I would have been thinking, oh, how unlucky is Ramsdale? But on the day, the luck was his way, wasn't it? And Ramsdale knew it. You you wouldn't have seen it, boys, watching live in the ground, but if you were watching it, Alex, you might have seen it. Ramsdale knew yeah. he got lucky with that. When it yeah, he did, yeah. Post. He took a huge intake of breath, big, deep breath, and thought, yeah, I've, I've got I've got away with that rebound off that post, but it's a save. It's a save, and there was a better save to come. A better save to come, which was really important at that time of the game. It was it, it, indeed. Um, Dan, uh, you mentioned as well that um, the way that the uh, forward line of of, of uh, midfield of Palace really struggled to uh, deal with Party and Zinchenko. Um, go on, expand a little bit more on that and give opportunities for Martinelli. Yeah, I feel like Palace sort of played into our hands a little bit, to be honest with you. I think they, they tried to they tried to put Schluck and press him up onto Partey and stop him playing out. But teams are really struggling with Zinchenko coming in inside because Elise out on the right-hand side, he doesn't know whether does he push up onto Zinchenko and follow him inside and leave space for Martelli, you know, one-on-one -on, -one on the wing. Or does he stay out there, double up, but then completely give up any chance of winning possession back when we're, we're playing the ball around in our own half? So... It gives them a sort of good conundrum as a as how they're going to try and press us. Really, we've always been a team. I felt like when they've pressed us in in years gone by, that we struggle to be pressed, and we're good and, and pretty on the ball 
when we're not pressed, but when we are, we struggle. Whereas this sort of side, they they seem to now be able to play through a lot of pressure. And then teams tend to come at a sort of first 10, 15 minutes and try and press, but then realise they can't and then they drop off. So I think it's a, it's a good problem to have. But also I think the way they... Their team selection was strange for me. I know, I know they started with Edouard, but I think I would have gone with someone a bit more pace, able to run in behind and cause our defence a bit more trouble because I think someone like Edouard just suited Rob Holding. That's that's everything that Holding's about is battling a player one on one, and they basically said, "Here you are, go and have a battle with Holding," and we, you know there's going to be only one winner in that instance. Yeah, no, holding, holding as we said, an outstanding game. Trevor uh, came up to about the half hour mark, and uh, Arsenal scored, and it was came from Ben White out wide. Uh, he put a ball into uh, Saka, who lofted the ball over to Martinelli, and it was a great um, one nil uh, from a tight angle uh, from Martinelli. But he just looked like no matter what, once that ball was coming to him, he was scoring. Cracking, cracking tackle from Ben White, who develops into a better right back every game. Um, and then when that ball falls to Martinelli, I'm just on my knees in the living room watching it on the telly thinking, this needs to go in. This needs to go in. This immediately banishes the Sporting Lisbon penalty miss. Immediately, she's gone out of his head and he smashes it in. Great finish. Great finish. And I was absolutely over the moon, not because we were winning 1-0, not because I thought we were a much better side, but mainly because Martinelli scored a goal and that is exactly what we needed for the rest of this season it'll be all right now it'll be all right now it's gone alex it, it was it was a good hangover cure for him from from missing the penalty and considering he played uh, all of the 120 minutes as well against sporting yeah. as many of the players did you know they didn't have that huge amount of rest and they all came back and and, and looked really really strong yeah, like I must admit, I had my worries going into the game um, on the back of a loss and 120 minutes um, of play and multiple injuries as well. So, but they just wiped away all all um, worries in in that first half because um, we played amazing. And um, Dan made a point last last time on the podcast uh, on how Arteta likes to isolate our wingers and how important it is for for our wingers to be able to go. Uh, with both left foot and, and right foot both ways and um, yeah Martinelli just does it again he's amazing with both feet that's his fifth goal with his left foot now um, and it just shows the ability of of both our, our wingers uh, we've seen it many times with Saka as well how they they're just so good at going e- either way um, and yeah I don't know if you've seen the the video of Ramsdale uh, when Martinelli scored it was it was like he, he had the controller he was controlling him um, yeah, he was I- I- imitating the, the, what he was doing. Uh, that was just perfect. But yeah, I just thought when he got got the ball in in that area, I just I knew he was going to score. And like Trev, Trev said, it was just amazing to see him bounce back from from that missed penalty. And I'm sure, as Trev said, also it's out of his head now, and he he's moved mm. on. Mm. Um, Dan, um, thirteen unlucky for some, not for Martinelli. No, not at all. And. We we should really be excited about this boy because you know, I said there was a stat that I saw where he's, it's 13 goals for him and it's the most goals scored by someone aged 21 or under since Nicola Anelka. And how exciting was Anelka when he was a young kid and all the potential that he had before he uh, became a snake. But, um, you know, <laughs> the, the, the lad Martinelli, we, we should honestly be so excited about him because he can really go on to be a, a world-class player. And um, we've got another one on the opposite wing 
I think only was it one goal behind him. I think is it twelve he's he's on to now. Yes, so, okay. Yeah. yeah, amazing. Uh, party headed over from a corner. Trossard and Odegaard both came close. It looked like Palace were going to go in one nil, um, but. Uh, uh, White played a beautiful one-two with Saka, who curled it over in the far corner. Um, training ground uh, uh, for Arteta, you know, pass, move, and run, run along the line. Um, Trev, yeah, we see it all the time. It, it, they must practice though. Though, well, they practice all the moves on the training ground. Of that, I'm sure. Um, but the, the the finish from Saka. The finish from Saka was a massive indicator of how he's improved this season. It, 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 it's all about the confidence, you know. He's got the confidence now to curl that ball in that far post. Comes with maturity, comes with game time, comes with more games in the Premier League, you know. Um, a wonderful finish, a wonderful finish. As we're, as we're, we're going to talk about him, I know, right? But how many times have you seen a game where a team scores four goals and you can actually say that each one of those goals was a thing of beauty. There was no luck involved in any of those goals. No luck. Those goals weren't given to us by Palace. It wasn't a mistake from a set piece or a mistake by the goalkeeper. There were four brilliantly worked goals in a game of football. And that's something we should all look at as Arsenal fans and think, wow, we, might, we won that game. Palace gave us nothing. We took it from them. Trev, the, the talk the talk about Wenger ball, Arteta ball is has been born, and we're we're witnessing it on the pitch, home and away uh, in Europe and up and down the country, and that Palace and the Fulham performances in particular are shown as we're coming towards the end of the season that Christ, a little sprinkling of magic dust next season, Champions yeah. League football. H- how far can this team go? Mate, listen, right? You did say me, didn't you, mate? I don't want to bite. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. It's it's so exciting. For me, the difference between Wenger ball and Arteta ball is that probably Arteta ball, you take the shot at goal about three passes earlier, you know. Wenger ball was all about getting it in the six-yard box and then putting it away. We all remember the brilliant Wilshire goal against Norwich at, at the Emirates, you know. Oh, yeah. Whereas, whereas Arteta, I think, he plays the Arteta ball, but once you get in and around the 18-yard box, then you can shoot. Odegaard does it regularly from about 16 yards. He finds that bit of space. He, he, he had a shot saved from there. Smith Rowe was doing it last season before he was dropped. Before, excuse me, before he was injured. How, how did I say that? So, yeah, there is a comparison, but Arteta ball, the, the, the scoring chance he's taken a bit higher up the field, probably 10 yards further from goal if it's available. Whereas with Wenger, we he didn't like you shooting until we got in the six yard box. But it's look at this. How good is it to talk about things like this? You know, it's pretty. It's absolutely brilliant. And Dan, you had a question that you put in 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 the chat to us. Um, I don't know if you're aiming it at me to bring it up, or it was a question you want to ask of us about Gita uh, Giata, whatever his name is. Yeah, mainly for Trev because I know he won't like the question. Um, but I, uh, right, we'll all sit back, get our popcorn. Really, I know you said uh, no element of luck in any of the goals, and it was um, it was a great goal. But I just feel like looking at the the way the keeper was Whitworth, the young academy lad for for Palace. I feel like he was still thrown in at the deep end, and I think most most keepers you see come to the Emirates, they have absolute worldies, and it happens day in day out every time someone comes to us. And I just feel like if Palace had their first keeper. 
I think they would have saved that. Yeah, but Dan, they didn't. They didn't. I mean, that's, a, that's a very good answer, but yeah. They played the keeper they had to play. And we played the game we had to play. I don't care who the other keeper could have been. We played against the keeper on the day. And in fairness to the young lad, he couldn't have saved any of them, I don't think. And uh, Dan, probably uh, Alex putting that question to you as well. Bearing in mind that Guetta was at the start of last season, the start of the, this season, he had a, a run of games that he, you know, he was an outstanding keeper for Palace. I think it was last season. So, you know, it's not like he's an inexperienced just being plucked out of the academy. I mean, you could make the argument he didn't do too well on the second goal, but I think on the other goals he couldn't do too much. And But I agree with Dan, like he was thrown in, in the deep end um, a bit because he has only played for the academy and then he had one game prior to this where he actually did play quite well. Um, but yeah, of course, it's not the optimal thing having your academy goalkeeper go against the top of the league. Um, but yeah, I think we would have won regardless of who they would have had in goal uh, for that game. Mm. I I must be confusing with another keeper. I thought he had more games than just two games. So um, I didn't think he was bad. I didn't I didn't think he was awful. Yeah, maybe the as you said the second goal went to half time three nil came, um, which was um, by Shaka was a close range uh, finish uh, a through ball by um, Trossard. Um, Register uh, hits hits his sixth assist uh, for Arsenal uh, so far. Um, uh, Dan, I'll talk to you on it. Uh, what's your thoughts on on Shaka's? Oh, not this next one. Uh, Shaka's goal. It, it just shows the movement in the team because you know we were talking earlier about Trossard and how his movement links with Martinelli, but it's not just Martinelli that his movement links with. And it was it was strange seeing the ball fed into the man highest on the line, and that man was Granite Xhaka, and it was Granite Xhaka that played a one-two into Trossard and then back to Xhaka again, and, and it just shows how much they can completely move around. And I think there was a comment from. Oh, who's the person? I can't remember the pundit now, but they mentioned about Zinchenko in the Everton game appearing on the right wing and playing a through ball into the striker from the right wing position. And that's your left back. You know, this this team just moves around and must be an absolute nightmare for anyone to come and play against. Mm. And to be honest, the addition of Zinchenko in this squad, because he does move around in that like inverted midfield area, allows Shaka to push up for, uh, more forward. And Shaka has played more the role he plays for the Swiss uh, Swiss team. And we've seen him in the box more often than not in the last five or six games. And even a few games before that, before the World Cup, he was starting to get up there. It, it really has brought his game, his game a game to to us. That's a that's well, a striker's you- run that he made. You know, that's that's not a midfielder that's pushed up. That is a striker's run to come off the line and go back again. So. And was he unlu- was he unlucky not to get one against? Was it Fulham or was it was it? Yeah, it was it was Fulham. Way. Fulham. Yeah, he should have yeah. scored as well. You know what? It's yeah. interesting you make that point, Fergus. Um, Dan, I, I'm, I'm going off of agreeing with Dan, but I'm going to agree with him on this occasion. But it's it's interesting you make that point, Fergus. And we said on this podcast, all of us, I think, earlier in the season that Zinchenko party. Um, are allowing Xhaka to get more forward, more like he does when he plays for the international team. And he was getting forward a lot and he was missing chances. He, I don't think he quite knew what to do because he never played that game at club level, getting forward that often. But that's changing now. He scored two goals in two games. And that goal against Palace 
was a very special goal because, as you say, he laid the ball off, moved into the space, and he put it away well under extreme pressure. The tackle was on him, you know, and he managed to jab the ball away. And that is that is the that is where Xhaka has been a, a, an important cog in this team this year. Not just scoring the goals, but getting forward and making an extra man, which in turn draws defenders and makes the extra space for Odegaard or Saka or Martinelli or whoever to get a shot off. You know, because you've got an extra forward in there. The defenders have got an extra man to watch. You know, it's uh, it, it speaks for itself. And the reason that we scored all them goals was nothing to do with that poor young goalkeeper at Palace. We shouldn't talk about him like that anymore. It was to do with the fact that he came up against a damn fine football team called the Arsenal, and they were better than them on the day. But Xhaka, Xhaka, we, we heard it say a lot, don't we? It's like a player comes back or and it's like a new signing. Well, the biggest, the biggest uh, thing about that this year is that Xhaka has been like that. We've not seen Xhaka anywhere near the levels he's playing this season. Nowhere near. Nowhere and near. And also, like Trev, like with Xhaka as well, he's just so consistent and he's he's an athletic freak as well. He he just plays, he played 120 minutes against yeah. Sporting and then he played the full 90 minutes and you wouldn't think he would have played um, against Sporting. And he just, he never gets injured or anything. He's right. just so consistent. Don't jinx Absolutely. it. Don't jinx it. <laughs> Uh, listen, um, a, a player who's had an outstanding uh, part, uh, latter end of the season, if not all of the season so far, is Ben White. Uh, I've I noticed him, I, I said it after the Villa game, I've I, I watched him a lot uh, close up and I, I thought he was he's outstanding. He just gets better and better. Ben White got tackled, I don't know who, by a Palace player and, and they dispossessed him. Uh, and um, Granite Xhaka came in and uh, got the ball back, or... Uh, um, and it was about to lose the ball, and Ben White just ran back, and he was so annoyed that he'd lost the ball in such a such an area, and he kicked the ball clear for a corner. Fantastic! Um, uh, who will I go on this one? Um, Alex, I'll go to you. Fantastic that he he um, he went back and done that, showed the tenacity and, and the responsibility he took for losing the ball sloppily. Um, but was he right to kick it out for a corner in that way, or did he just lose his head a little bit for a second? I think he lost his head a little bit because, as we all know, the, the corner led, led to the goal they scored. So looking back at it, I would have rather had he cleared it for a, a throw-in. But I think I, I think he just wanted to show some some, some passion and, and lift the crowd as well because he, he didn't need to like go that crazy on, on, the, on the clearance. He could have just cleared it for a, a throw-in or whatever. But yeah, it was, I think it was just to show some passion and... He's usually like quite relaxed with his attitude, so maybe it was just for him to like show he's he's got some attitude as well and and some passion in him as well and fire. Trev, um, you know, we, it did lead us to uh, the set piece, and we conceded from another corner, and we'll talk about the possible VAR handball thing as well. But it's just the um, you know you can't criticize the guy because he's been brilliant, but it was flipping stupid. I'm I'm giving White the assist, me. He can have an assist for me. <laughs> Look, right. Ben White is well. We we don't we've praised him of all we can. I think, but he's got an attitude, and he? he's got that don't give a damn attitude. He, he'll get in players' faces, and when he did launch that ball out for a corner, I thought, what are you doing, mate? 
But Xhaka immediately hugged him, didn't he? Xhaka hugged him and said, well done, well played, mate. So maybe they've seen something that we didn't, because I thought, why don't you launch it for a throw into row Z or something? But no, it was an on reflection. It was the wrong thing to do because they scored. But I ain't going to call him out for it, Ferg. Can't do it, mate. No, no. Uh, Dan, your thoughts on conceding uh, again from um, a set piece from another corner. I think that's the third goal in our succession that we've conceded from from a corner. It went to VAR and there was talk about the handball. So conceding from a corner and the handball is yours. Yeah, I mean, just just before that, I think the reason why he did that, Ben White, was actually because um, he was out of position and Zaha was one-on-one with Xhaka. And I think he's seen that Jack is probably not the most mobile one-on-one with a player like um, like Zaha. I think that's why he rushed back. And I think he tried to kick the ball onto Zaha to go out for a goal kick, but I think he just didn't hit the player. Um, okay. But yeah, ne- never mind. Move on. But yeah, I think for, it, it's disappointing to have another set-piece goal conceded because it'd be nice to have firstly a clean sheet at home. I think that's where we're we're struggling a bit is we, we need a few more clean sheets at home. But also with some of the teams that we've got coming up, we either seem to have teams right at the top of the league, tough away games, or teams at the bottom that's battling. And the teams at the bottom of the league that are battling, they will tend to nick a goal from set pieces or corners. And and that's what we need to be careful of because there's teams we're going to play against that we are a million times better than. But if we give them a little snip of a chance from a corner or a set piece and they score, they will then have something to hang on to. So I think something, something big to work on for the team. Um, Zaha came close uh, again. He put a shot past Ramsdale, uh, just uh, and it went down um, and hit the uh, just missed the post. Um, but it was uh, Ramsdale's face, I think, that stopped it. Was it? It was that. Okay, no, that was in the that was in the Porto game. Uh, but that if Zaha had um, got there, so many football games all one after the other, they all just become into a blur at some points. Um, but um, yeah, that that could have changed the game completely. But down the other end, uh, Kieran Tierney had come on, and Kieran Tierney put in a great uh, assist um, uh, to Saka to get the fourth, and it was four-one. Uh, Alex, thoughts on Kieran Tierney? Uh, how is he going to get more game time? What do you think of the performance in this cameo uh, on Sunday? Yeah, I thought it was a really good little cameo, and um, he offers something very different to Sinchenko. He offers the pace on the left flank and uh, support on the left flank. Um, and yeah, he was just bombing up and down the, the left flank when he came on and he did what he does the best, um, whipped the cross in for, for Saka, who, who finished uh, really, really nicely. Um, and I really hope we can keep him at the club, but we'll have to see um, how, how, how happy he will be with the game time he'll be able to get because we know how, how important Sinchenko is to, to our team at the moment and probably will be next season as well. So we'll see what what Arteta will be able to offer him in, in regards to game time next season. Um, but I really hope we can keep him at the club because I really like the player and he's got a brilliant attitude and he always just gives his, gives his everything when he comes on for, for, for the Arsenal. Oh, you've done a treff. You've muted yourself. <laughs> It was because was, my phone went. Um, oh, oh, I'm joking on my false teeth. Good. That, that's oh. a bit of like you know voodoo done on you there, Dan. Um, what do you, what do you do with uh, Tierney? 
Um, you know, oh. he played well. He's not going to get in ahead of Zinchenko. So many people saying sell him and move on. Why would you sell what is probably the best backup in the league? And we've seen with how we are with injuries and what can happen in the team. Touch wood, hope it doesn't. But if we get injured and we need someone to step in, he's your man. So don't be uh, don't be reducing our squad depth. We need to we need to increase it rather than reduce it. I think so. Do you think anything very, differently? Very Newcastle Newcastle looking at it heavily in, in the summer. They need a left back as well. Um, unless we can get a huge amount of money, would that huge amount of money be enough to replace somebody who is going to be okay to be um, a backup? Because I think he's too good to be a backup. Firstly, I can't believe you cut young Dan off like that. That was so rude, Fergus. He was mid-sentence and you cut in on him. Not the first time you've done it. You need to sort yourself out, mate. It's very rude. As for Kieran Tierney, when he came, he's not had much game time this year and he could go either way. He could have he could have chucked his toys out of his pram and said, well, I'm not going to make much of an effort. But completely the opposite. Before he put that ball for... For Saka, he, he he made a defending tackle, you know, where he sprinted back and made a superb defending tackle. And you're thinking, God, this boy wants to play for the Arsenal Football Club. And then that, I just disagree slightly with with our Alex in that that wasn't a cross for for Saka's goal, mate. That was a pinpoint pass, mate. That was. It was. He looked up. He saw Saka. Yeah, yeah, probably pass, not a cross. Sweep it in into the net. I want to see us keep Kieran Tierney. Um, but he's so good. He's an international of, of some repute. And if we keep him, we'll be lucky. If he goes somewhere else and gets first-team football, then I can't really blame him for that because he's got to think of himself. I don't want to lose him. He's fantastic. But I, I think if he does go, he won't be one of these players that goes from like a top club like us to a lower club, you know, some middle club, middle league club like Tottenham or something, you know. He'll go to another big club. Tierney, I'm sure, will go to another big club and there'll be lots of them keeping tabs on him now. I hope we don't lose him. He's a class act. He, he puts a different perspective on the game to Zinchenko. I honestly think that Zin, part of signing Zinchenko was possibly because Tierney's had such bad injury troubles that Arteta thought he needed quality and the signings turned out to take his place. Don't want to lose him. Won't blame him if he goes. Love the man. Great player. Now, a point that Trevor tried to make earlier, Dan, uh, was to do with um, Tommy Asu and uh, Ben White and uh, Tommy Asu being out at the end of the season because you need cover in different areas. Um, for the last 10 minutes of the Palace game, uh, Thomas Partey came on and he was played right back. And you asked in, in, in the chat before, um, is that our option uh, for uh, if Tommy's out for the rest of the season? Uh, do you want to expand on that and then the other guys can respond? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't personally think it's the next option because at the same time, Zinchenko have been taken off. And I think you're probably more likely to see Zinchenko and Tierney play either side or potentially uh, maybe another centre-half go out there or even one of the wide guys play there. But um, it certainly shows the reason why I don't think we should sell a player like Kieran Tierney because if you get one or two injuries, it can really reduce the, the squad depth. And seeing Parto play out there, um, I hope that's never going to be an option because he's so key in the middle of the field. So mm. um, hopefully that's just an experiment to see sort of worst case scenario. If we had to, could we do it? 
It might be just to give him minutes more than anything else because he had hadn't been playing a huge amount over the last few few weeks. Had he had he, had, uh, a he played he sport. played right back for Atletico as well, so he's done it before. Okay, okay. so it could could be an option um, if if we are unlucky with injuries. Hmm. Okay. Well, um, the stats on the end of that game uh, was sixty-one uh, percent of the possession to us. We had fifteen shots on goal, five of which were on target. Palace um, didn't do too badly. They had nine shots, five of which on target as well. So you know they didn't just roll over. And Palace's big problem this season has been scoring goals. And Zaha, before when we were linked with him. His finishing has always been the question with Zaha. He, he gets into the right positions, makes all the right moves and positions. It finished 4-1 uh, at the Emirates. Uh, great to see that on the screen. Trevor, our run-in. It looks like we're going to be doing this because there's 10 cup finals to go. Uh, we have a week off, a weekend off this weekend. Um, I think uh, Dan's liver could do with it because uh, he said he was suffering even still from, from, from the Lisbon. But um, we have... Uh, uh, Leeds, um, Liverpool, West Ham, Southampton, Man City. Um, yeah, uh, thoughts? We can bring in... A, a, I started an earlier question from um, James and I've been looking for an opportunity to put it in. And that's a great opportunity, James. James has said, if we lose to Man City, Newcastle, Liverpool, can we still win the league? James, let me tell you for nothing, mate. We will not lose all of those three games. We are too good. We... And the reason I say that is because not just because I'm, I'm I'm very confident we won't lose all them three games. We won't get nine points out of them three games, but we won't lose them all. And the reason I'm so confident, James, is that we've shown on more than one, more than two occasions this season that if we lose a game, we don't drop away the next game. We come back better. We come back stronger, and we came back. We come back better organised. And if we lose one of them three games. We'll come back better. We won't, we will not lose all them free games, Joe. Be interested to get these boys' view on that question as well, Ferg. Um, Alex, you go first because I know you're stuck for time, and there's one other question I want to get in after that as well. Yeah, like I agree with Trev. Like I don't think we're going to lose all three of those games, but um, yeah, of course it's going to depend on Manchester City's results as well because um, they are the team we are battling for for the title with. So. It's all going to depend on how, first of all, how, how we're going to uh, do in the next games. And then, of course, how City are going to do. Because, I mean, if they lose their games, they're not going to win the league as well. So, yeah. Dan, looking at, the, Dan, looking at their games, they've got Liverpool, um, Southampton, Brighton. They've obviously got us as well. And they've got Leeds and Fulham, Everton, Chelsea, Brentford, West Ham and Leicester. Uh, so, well, I, they've had the Leicester game. Um, but, um, uh, you know... They, they, they won't win all of those games. I can't see them. We could even get a point up there. I'm, I'm hoping um, for that. But they've got to drop some points along the way there, don't you think? I don't know if they will drop that many points, to be honest with you. Look, let's not underestimate that they're a very, very good side. Um, they've got tough games coming up with you know multiple competitions, but they are, they are the current champions and it's for us to knock, us, knock them off their perch. So I expected them to push us all the way, but I also expect us to be able to stand up to it. And I think the question of, of will we lose all three of those? No, I don't, I don't think we will. Um, I think ultimately what can happen at times is if you lose a game, you can have a knock-on effect to, to games further down the line. But 
we've shown a bit more resilience this this year as a team to be able to bounce back and be able to say, okay, move on, let's go to the next game. And and Palace showed that from from Sporting, and and we showed that from a top tough run coming out of the likes of um, what was it City, Brentford, Everton, that sort of run. So I feel like we're we're well equipped. I think the biggest danger for us is is injuries as opposed to sort of running out of form as such. And the future is bright. I know um, uh, a, f- a former snake, a former player of ours has retired today. Ozil has retired. Um, and to be honest, that's about as much I'm going to talk about him. Um, he had a good six months or so for us, uh, if anybody else wants to add to it. But here is our future. You've got Balogun, Martinelli and Saka um, scored the most goals in Europe as under-21 players. Uh, I saw you shaking your head, Dan. You can come in at last. Alex, um, uh, thoughts on, on, on the future and the past? Yeah, future is very bright. I'm excited to see what's gonna gonna happen with Balogun uh, in regards to uh, after next summer, because um, he is tearing it up in the in the French league right now. So we're gonna have to see what Arteta's plans is for him. Um, for me, he's very welcome at at uh, coming back and playing in in our team next next season. Um, in regards to the past, um, he's made some not very pleasant comments about Arteta and the pro- process uh, after he left Ozil. So I think I don't like that about him, but we can't deny how good he was and how much hope and good football he brought to the team when he did play for the Arsenal. Um, him and Alexis, they were brilliant in that 15-16 yep. season. Um, but yeah, I I really liked Ozil as a player, but I don't like how he acted after he left the club. That's my opinion on him. Yeah. Go on then. Two po- well, no, two points I want to come back on first, Ferg. That, um, the, you know, the City have pulled Haaland out of the Norway squad with an injury. Trust me, boys. It's a bit of crap houseery. Haaland will be perfectly fit for their for their next game. Perfectly fit for their next game. And they're doing that because they're worried about the mighty Arsenal, the mighty Arsenal. As for Ozil, Ozil was a, a, a player of extreme skill, extreme skill. There's no denying that, right? But his attitude in the last couple of seasons playing for the Arsenal stunk, and it stunk badly. Um, I used to be travelling to away games up at Burnley or up at Uddersfield in the winter, and, and me and my mate Terry would say, Ozil will be injured today, Ozil will be injured today. And as soon as you get up there, he'd be out with uh, illness or bad back, you know. And and when he did play, he just wasn't the mess of Ozil we knew he could be. You can make like, a, I don't know, I don't know where you can make a comparison, but that, that, that frustrates me more than a bad player. If I know a player's bad and he's not top level, I can watch him and think, yeah, he's doing his best. All I ask, and we've, we, one, I keep harking on about it tonight, we've said it on this podcast before, me and Mem, out, me and Ferg's mate, men, we say this all the time. All I ask is to see a player give 100% for the badge, right? That's all I ask. When I know a player can do better than he's doing, that is the lowest of the low. That's the worst of the worst, right? And in the last couple of seasons at, at Arsenal, Ozil did that. So for me, he's not a legend, right? He's, he's, he was a skillful player that didn't do it for our club. And he took us for a ride with his last contract. Now to Trevor time. Fergus, since you want Trevor time, you're going to get it now, just before we go, right? Um, I was going to name players here, right, at the end of this podcast. I was going to name some players, but then I thought, no, I can't do that. 
I can't name any specific players in the Arsenal side because that would be unfair to the others, right? But to coin a, coin a, a line from Mikel Arteta, right? This truly is just the start. We've got a young side with a young manager. This is the start of what's to come, you know? And it's exciting. We're top of the league with a team that's still learning, with a manager that's still learning. This could go anywhere, this team. This team could let me win, see us win the Champions League in my lifetime. And I never, ever thought I'd do that. So the likes of Dan, Fergus, you go to games and you raise the level with your support. We've all got to do it. We've all got to do it because there's no doubt in a massive part of the improvement at Arsenal this season is the players. A massive part of the improvement at Arsenal this season is the manager. But the third part of the triangle, the third part of the conundrum is a massive part of the improvement at the Arsenal this season is the fans. It's undoubtedly the fans. The players have acknowledged it. The managers have acknowledged it. And we've just got to keep going and doing it. Bring on Leeds, eh, boys? I'll be there with you, the old boy. Not singing as loud as you do because it makes me cough and choke and swallow me full teeth. But I'll be there cheering them on. Right, I'm done, Ferg. I'm done. I'm going to lose my voice. Cole, you could have told us that. You could have told us that a few hours ago. That would have saved us an awful lot of time. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, I know you got a dash, mate. Uh, thanks very much, as always, for joining us. Um, oh, it's brilliant. Uh, we're, we're we're planning on doing a phone in now. We'll, we'll we'll confirm it yet, but it will go on Twitter or whatever. Um, but uh, a phone in next week where you guys who are in the chat and watching us get your chance to uh, click on. You'll be able to go on to uh, gunsandyellowribbons.com and click on join sorry, the sorry, show. Sorry. Sorry, it's all right, join the show, and that will give you a link to sit here in the background, and we can bring you in. Just leave your phone on landscape with your earphones in, because then we can hear you. Um, and uh, turn a light on your face, unlike what Dan does, because you know we, we ask him not to on purpose. Oh. But um, <laughs> uh, it, it just helps that people people can see you. So, so joining, come and join us. Get your yeah. face on the screen, you know, and uh, have your opinions. Have your say, yeah. If you want to phone up just to have a go at Fergus, honestly, you're more than welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Just have your lines ready. By the way, Dan, Dan, I've been been making little marks on my page and five times tonight, Fergus has said we played Porto last week. And they wonder why we struggle with him. And they're they're not called Lisbon as well. People keep calling them Lisbon. That's a different team. They're called Sporting Club Portugal or something. And they've apparently they've been me- really mad about it as well because people keep calling them Sporting Lisbon. Well, in this country, they've been called Sporting Lisbon for years. Yeah, so, they, yeah, yeah, they have. Well, that's 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 Fergus for you, but he also called. Well, I, and I didn't, I didn't, I didn't pick up uh, Trevor on his mispronunciation of Martinelli earlier on either. You can watch it back uh, when he was talking about it. Um, <laughs> so, listen, let's get us all back in a nice, friendly mood. <laughs>
give you goosebumps deep breath Dan, Dan final yeah. words because I didn't ask your opinion on Ozil go on and then we will go no it's alright no, my only point there is I don't think he's a snake and I think um, I agree with everything that, that Trevor said towards the latter part of his, his career with us but don't forget at a time when everybody wanted to leave us he came to join us he was a big big part of the team that ended our was it nine year trophy drought and at that time, he was a fantastic player for us. He didn't try and leave. I'm not saying the money wasn't a big part to do with it, but he didn't try and leave or go on strike and that sort of thing. He was put to train elsewhere. He was the one that was told to leave and terminate his contract. And ultimately, I don't think a snake is quite the word that would describe him with us. He was a very, very, very good player, a world-class assist maker all over the world in World Cups, Champions Leagues, you know, Spain, England, Germany, etc. And um, yeah, he's not like the other player that's retired this week that we don't Trevor, really Trevor I, I think you've dropped your glasses. He's got your rose-tinted glasses on. On on, on that note, you have been watching Guns and Yellow Ribbons, an Arsenal podcast end, by Arsenal fan. We can't end on that note. Some of what Dan said is right, right? But let, let's put us to bed because we're all allowed our opinions, right? Let's just end on a high note, right? Because we can't talk about that as the last note of the programme. All we can finish with is we are the Arsenal. We're top of the league. We've got the greatest squad we've had in years. We've got the greatest young manager in the world. In, not, in the, not in the country. We've got the greatest young manager in the world. We've got the greatest young player in the world in Bukayo Saka. And we've got 10 other players that ain't far behind him. We are the Arsenal. We're going places and we're going with a smile. Come on, you gunners.
and yellow ribbons an Arsenal podcast by Arsenal fans for Arsenal fans follow us on Facebook at Guns and Yellow Ribbons and Twitter at Guns and Ribbons and remember to rate and review us too 